The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. This, this profound and very personal moment, poetry is overheard speech. That's what they say. And really the Bible is the same way. It's overheard speech. Think about the vast majority of the writings in the New Testament. One scholar said that that the letters in the New Testament feel like reading somebody else's mail. And we are. Because somebody sat down, sometimes it was Paul, and he wrote a letter to a specific group of people in a specific place in a time a long, long time ago, and then we're invited to overhear it. We're invited to go through somebody else's mail. That's how the Bible works. It's overheard. And this psalm, Psalm 2, works the same way. It's poetry, and it's being overheard by us. It doesn't take like a deep and amazing biblical scholar or a rocket scientist to figure out that, that Psalm 2 was not written to us. Just look at verse 10. Psalm 2 was written to the ruling class, the, the politicians and, and the kings of the day. And if it would have been written as if it were a letter, it would say, Dear kings and politicians. This, this psalm wasn't written to us, but it is overheard by us. And really, what we get to overhear, if I could give you a little preview, is incredible. It, it's as if we're eavesdropping or almost spying on what we all really want to hear about. There's two conversations specifically that, that the psalmist is going to let us eavesdrop in on. We're going to become the proverbial fly on the wall. And, and the first one is, is a, it's a political summit of sorts where we get to hear what the politicians of the, and the rulers of the day really thought. And it's astounding. And bracing. But then the conversation moves and we get to hear what God says about it in his throne room. And, and this is an opportunity I don't think any of us wants to miss. This is, this is what we all love about the, the first two chapters of Job, where, where for just a moment, God lifts the curtain, if, if we might think about it that way. And, and we get to hear this conversation between God and Satan. And here in Psalm 2, it's the same way we get to come into the throne room of God and hear what he says in his innermost heart. And when we overhear these conversations, these two specific conversations, it's going to be transforming. And it's meant to be. Will you listen in on on these two conversations with me. We're going to read all of Psalm 2. We're on page 8 in your bulletin. 
And if you're at home, get out your Bibles and page open to the longest book of the Bible called Psalms and go to the very beginning. We're going to just look at Psalm 2 there together. Here's what the psalmist gives us today. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in His anger and terrifies them in His wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate His rule with trembling. Kiss His Son, or He will be angry, and your way will lead to your destruction. For wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. This is the word of the Lord. The first conversation that we overhear is in a great hall somewhere. It's in the very first verse of the psalm, it's as if a, a political summit has been convened. The kings are there, the, the rulers are there, the, the rich and the powerful and the CEO, they are, they are all there in one place. And they have gathered together, and, and unexpected things happen. They are all completely aligned. They have formed an alliance. That's what the psalmist has come to understand. What they don't know is that we're there too. What they don't know is that we're there like a fly on the wall, and now we get to listen to the conversation that happens. It's like the United States and the Russias and the Chinas of the world have all come together and they have decided to fight against one common enemy. Aristotle was right in a sense. Aristotle said this, a common danger unites even the bitterest enemies. And so the world leaders, after they have shoved the media out of the room, they begin to say what they really think. They say it's time for us to rise up together in rebellion against the Lord and against His side. This, it's a refrain that, that breaks out. and they, they say it to each other. They whisper it to each other. Let's break their chains and throw off their shackles. It's really kind of an ironic thing, isn't it? What you hear there? Because the powers of this world, 
The people who are controlling everything above our heads, they feel constrained. They realize that they have no sovereignty of their own, at least when God is ruling. And they don't want to give up their sovereignty. They want to, they want to throw it off and then, and then just as quickly as we're ushered into the room to hear their conversation, it just ends. That's it. The curtain drops in Psalm 2 and everything becomes quiet. That's the first conversation that we overhear in Psalm 2. Just as quickly the curtain goes up again, and this time we've been whisked away from wherever that political summit was, and now, now the curtain is being drawn back on God's throne room. And, and can we just can we just realize how special that that for just a moment, like we we get to see visibly what's happening politically in the world all the time, but we don't know what God is saying about it. And now, right here, this is a very special moment. God, He pulls back the curtain on His throne room for just a moment, and we get to see God's response to all of the rebellion against him and against his Messiah. And I got to tell you, God's not worried about it. In fact, what, what the psalmist shows to us is that, that God right here takes all of its sitting. <laughs> that, that is how not worried he is. Actually, it says that, that God is enthroned in all of his holiness and in all of his power, and we can see him there. And when he looks down and he sees the powers of the world scheming against him and his Messiah, his first response is what? Like, like for God, the kings and the politicians and the rulers, for him, it's the best kind of show. Like, seriously? That's God here. It, it's, as if, it's as if to God, um, the rulers and the kings of this world are like that, that, that two-year-old and the two-year-old is trying to land a punch and there's no way that, that he can do any kind of damage. And the parent just looks down and they think it's cute. God thinks it's cute. It's like he sees these cavemen and, and they're trying to throw spears at the sun or it's like these, these little arsonists and they're trying to start the ocean on fire with a, with a little spark of fire and God's like, ah, you can't touch me. Give it your best shot and see if your little spear can make it to the sun. He laughs. The powers of this world have nothing to God. The laughing doesn't continue for long, though, and, and, and we're there just watching it all. God's response very quickly turns to anger at the rebellion of it all. 
And he wants to give those kings and he wants to give those rulers and he wants to give those politicians a wake-up call. So he takes his own eternal son, the one that he loves, and he says, you're not the true king. You're not the true rulers. I am putting on the throne my only son. And he says to his son, Son, you are my beloved. And then he turns to us and he says, listen. And then he turns to his son again and he says, Son, son, if you ask me, I'll break them to pieces for you. You're, you're going to rule them with an iron scepter, son. If they do not bow the knee to you, you make them. And then, and then right there, right there, the curtain goes down again. And the two overheard conversations have ended. And that's some too. The psalmist right there pauses, and we need to pause with the psalmist to think about what this means then. And the, and the psalmist tells the politicians and the rulers then and now. And he gives them an application, and he says, you people, and now I'm speaking with anyone in rebellion against God's will, kings and rulers and politicians and otherwise. You who want to rule your own life, who, you who want to live outside of God's will, wisen up. Because there is no refuge from Him. There is only refuge in Him. Tremble and shake, wisen up and kiss the sun. There's no other way. That's the first application we might say, but that's not the only one. I think, I think if we step back from the psalm and we think about everything that we've overheard, we also have to come with two more reflections, two more applications for our life. And the first one would be this as we begin a new year. Buckle up. Buckle up. Do you think things are going to get better? Because, because if you do, if you really think that the powers of this world and the politicians and the kings are finally going to say, you know what, let's promote the kingdom of God. Let, let's put Jesus on his throne. Let's proclaim his saving name. Let's put no obstacles in the way of the church. You got another thing coming to you. One of our one of our big problems today, I think, as Christians, is that we've set wrong expectations. Don't you think? We we keep thinking things are things are certainly gonna get better soon, right? They're they're gonna get better. Are they? Because 
if we're going to take seriously what we've overheard today, then we have to understand that, that the powers that be, the politicians and the rulers of the day, are never going to put Jesus on his throne. Never, ever, ever. And in fact, we have examples of history, in history of this taking place, in Jesus' own life. Remember that Pilate and Herod were the bitterest of enemies? They hated each other. But you know what unified them and brought them together? Taking down Jesus. Like Good Friday for Herod and for Pilate, like they... They finally became best friends because they got to kill Jesus together. But then he rose from the dead. Then he rose from the dead. And his kingdom will go on and on and on forever and ever. Please set your expectations right. The spiritual battle on this side of things doesn't end. But we should say this. This doesn't lead us to become angry or bitter. Or even it doesn't even put us in rebellion against our own government. There could be nothing less Christian than that. And I want to be absolutely clear about that. The psalm does not go in that direction. The last part of the psalm, I think, the very last words are written specifically for the people overhearing the psalm. And it, and it almost seems like when you read Psalm 2, that there's, like, there's this verse that just doesn't seem to belong. Like, why did you just say that right there? But it's there for us. And, and this is the big takeaway that the psalmist has as we overhear these conversations. The psalmist wants us to get really, really super convinced of one simple truth. Just how blessed we are. That's what it all leads up to. He says, blessed are they who take refuge in him. In other words, he, he wants you to leave today not all upset or like, oh my God, all of these terrible things are happening and they're outside God's control and my, oh my, it's just going to continue. Not any of that at all. He wants us to get super convinced about how blessed we are to have God and his Messiah as a record. My dad had a saying, and I'll never forget it, because he kept saying it when I was a kid. He, he always said this. He said, God never white enough of it. You know what I mean? Like when you're driving through the snowstorm and you're gripping the wheel like that and your knuckles are white. God never white enough of it. He, he, he's never like, oh, shoot. I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> you need to know that God is completely sovereign over everything. In fact, when, when, when they try to do things against them, him, he laughs. Because he always knew that was part of his will and purpose too. Or to think of it another way, 
we have in Christ, who lived and died and rose for God, and who is revealed to us so clearly on his baptism, we have like, think of him like the very best Navy SEAL. And he stands outside your house. And to the enemy, he is the worst kind of threat. I mean, he's got these huge biceps and these big guns, and nobody's coming around your house. But when your daughter runs up to him, with the greatest gentleness, he scoops her into his arms, and she thinks, how blessed I am to have a refuge. what this psalm is about. As we overhear the conversations and we see his strength for us, how blessed we are. Maybe we should do a little bit more eavesdropping. Talk. 